In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Welcome to the Daily Memphian Tigers podcast. I'm Jonah Jordan, the Memphis Tigers beat reporter, and today I'm joined by the Daily Memphians' Jeff Calkins. How are you doing today, Jeff? Uh, I'm good. I like to, if you could call me Coach Calkins, Coach Calkins. If you, going forward, that would be uh, that would be more appropriate. If I think could. it'd be failed, Coach Calkins. Listen, your own one in your career. I, um, all I can do is call the plays. I just call the plays. I can't execute the plays for them. I can't. Uh, let's be honest. I, I haven't said this before. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but that kid, Markevion Quinn. Yep, it was the, the play was open, and he looked. I mean, and, and he looked to the he looked to the he looked to the left, and he a guy was open to the right, and but hey, listen, it's a young. This is how you, you make mistakes like that, and it's how you get and better. It's how you get better. It's how you get better. There's a lot of promise. And, um, but, uh, I mean, here's the thing. We preach brawl ball security <laughs> every single day in practice. And two out of my three, uh, out of the three drives ended, uh, with, um, turnovers. I mean, you could have just subbed Brady White in there. He was just, standing there. I got a video you, you on my phone. just, you, you uh, Of Brady White standing next to you pointing on the play sheet of what you should call. I will tell you that Brady White, um, was, uh, Great offensive quarterback. My relationship with Brady, it's a little bit like Mike McCarthy's with Aaron Rodgers okay. and that he wanted to call all the plays and he thought he could just take over. <laughs> and um, and I let him know in no uncertain terms that um, that I was the coach. Okay. And um, uh, no. How crazy is it down there? I will say two things about this, this experience. Um, I'll say several things about the experience. First of all... Um, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know how anyone calls plays from the sideline. When you hear about that debate between yeah. should it be up in the booth or should it be on the sideline, I don't know how anyone calls plays from the sideline because it's just hard to get any kind of perspective. Like, hard to see where the safeties are lining up. Hard to, like, whatever. Yeah. It's total bedlam on the sidelines. I, I could barely tell down a distance by the time <laughs> I had to call a play. Like, it was ridiculous. You could have looked up at the board. So, um, so, uh, so yes, it's, a, it's, it's, it's madness. And the idea was part of the idea that Mike Norvell had was by having uh, us do this, it was to show how hard it is. So when we're second guessing someday, you know, whatever, that was yeah. at least part of it. And and honestly, from that perspective, I, I I don't buy it. In other words, he designed the language that we were speaking. We were just he, that is his job is to call good plays. I actually don't second guess a lot. Like there was a play in the Birmingham in the Birmingham Bowl this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even remember what the play was, but people second guessed that play. It was the um, I did not. It was um, the run after they Joey Magnifico had just gotten them down to the red zone and they ran a quick run right up the middle. I got stuffed and people right. were. I mean, all I, over broadly it. speaking, do I think early last season they didn't use Daryl Henderson enough? Maybe did they use I mean he really against Navy, whatever. Like that's fine. Like some trends in play calling. But the truth of the matter is the guy puts up fifty points a game. I'm yeah. not. I'm not doing a lot of second guessing of the offensive. <laughs> like he literally puts up 50 points a game. I'm not doing a lot of second guessing to begin with. But to the extent that if someone does does make a dumb call, the fact that I can't do it when I've never done it yeah. before, it doesn't won't get in the way of me saying eh, that was kind of a questionable call. And nor should it any more than 
you know, so, so, so I was sitting up in the press box thinking about all your questionable calls. Though. Um, so secondly, I will say that I totally 100% went to Brady white and said, Brady, would you stand here and tell me what to call? <laughs> and he is the night. I, I hope it's a big year for him. Cause he is such a classy dude. And, um, and I know he's taken some grief. Um, yeah, a lot of grief, uh, a lot of grief. And, you know, I thought, I thought by and large he performed well last year and, and they said he had a good spring. He's clearly going to be the quarterback and I will be rooting for him. Cause I just think he's a, a, oh, yeah. a perfect representation of what you want Memphis football to be about. And I, so I hope he has a big year. And he's changed um, a lot. It seems like. For and then thirdly, um, it, it, and this was my takeaway that I put in the column. The main takeaway for me was every time you get inside that program and see it close up, um, it's more impressive. I spent, uh, 48 hours embedded with the program in the fall. And it was just the thought that goes into everything is, and, and it's different than running a basketball team. There's just a whole lot more people, you know, it is, you are a CEO and, and it's Dave Ocean put it to me. He said, I don't know what, if I don't know any aspect of this that Mike doesn't, Mike Norvell doesn't do well. And that was more than how hard it is to call plays. That was my biggest takeaway from, um, that plus, by the way, the Tiger Walk is like yeah. crazy fun. Like it's it's you led the Tiger Walk. It's funny that that people you think oh, the the, fan, the the players really no. It's it's mo- like if you're walking through the Tiger Walk and people are there, it really is moving and it does fire you up. And so I actually get it is important for people to get out there for it because it has an impact on how the players feel. I just tell you, it had an impact on how I felt. Yeah, there endeth my uh, disquisition <laughs> on my coaching, the one coaching. Uh, of my entire career. It definitely did seem like you took in the Tiger Walk. You had that big old smile on your face. I always and... have a smile. I believe in walking on the sunny <laughs> side of the street. I felt a little dopey at the front of the Tiger Walk, honestly. Like, yeah. like why am I leading the Tiger Walk? But, um, but um, I mean, it's for, for Doc and for Jarvis, who are actually football yeah. players at the University of Memphis, it made sense. Jarvis, by the way, was, uh, I mean, they were, Jarvis. He was, he was coming after you. He was a coming after me, but then also like the, he, he was a good coach on the sideline. He was a fiery, yeah, um, running up and down the sideline. I I had to I work on my no less. Um, I had to, I had to uh, Ryan the offensive coordinator. What, what's his new coach now? What, Ryan Silverfield. No, what, yeah, what's his new oh, title? He's like co-offensive coordinator, right. offensive line coach, run game coordinator. So he had me um, at the end of each huddle before they go out the start of each series. He said, "Clap twice." But then we did it again. We had to clap twice and then clap twice again. I really didn't understand it. I, I'm next time I do it. Not only do I have to work my play calling, my clapping was also subpar. I heard your pregame speech was great, though. You did not hear that. Did you hear that? Yes, really? I heard it was From great. Home. Don't worry about that. I thought it was okay. I didn't know what to say. Like I can't me, me standing up in front of a bunch of football <laughs> players and and now we're gonna run through that wall. Like it's <laughs> kind of lunacy. Like me, like I would run through that wall. Like I know who's like like I would. You told a story. He told a story, didn't you? I told a story. Yeah, I told a story. See, you're used to being up in front and talking to people. I decided I should tell a story. Anyway, how about the Memphis Tiger football basketball team? Who's gonna? Who's who? They gonna add? Um. So you've got Precious Achua, who is in this week. Well, the beginning of this week. And do you want to take every take back everything you've ever said about Precious Achua? Absolutely not. You've said from the beginning, no chance he's coming to Memphis. I've never he's said no North chance. Carolina. I said no chance. I said at the time, I thought he was going to North Carolina, but obviously things change. It was always premature to say Precious Achua was going to Memphis because Trenton Watford was going to Memphis. That's the reality of the situation. They're not going to play together. 
They weren't. Mm-hmm. I don't think they are. Right. No, they're not because Trenton Watford now is going to go to LSU. Yeah. And so now it's trending back towards Trenton going to LSU. And now Precious could absolutely could go to Memphis. But nobody really expected this. You've called me crazy for it a thousand times for Will Wade I will tell you, job. the only person who expected it was John Martin, who's been saying it for months. He has. Like, I, I will say he did it. Like, that, oh, yeah. I, I got to give him – like, that, that is one that he has he, – that he called correctly um, is – is but if, how, what's the clarity now? Now lots of people have changed the crystal ball. You know, whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah. Memphis. Um, have you heard anything about how the visit? Went? Um, heard it went well. He had a great time. I mean, that's all you ever that's hear about Memphis. Hear. No visit goes. Do you ever poorly. hear? Boy, they had a disastrous visit. Yes. You do hear that? Only when Tubby was in charge. <laughs> it happened once. Robert what was, Woodard. What was it? it? Was a bad visit? Yeah, they totaled that. One of the support staff members totaled the Woodard's car on accident. Oh. Uh. Yeah, that's not good. No, it's it hard wasn't to, great. It's hard to blame Tubby for that. Yeah, can't, can't. it wasn't Tubby's fault. Wasn't Tubby, he no. was upset about it, but like that kind of changes the yeah. the tune of the visit. Kind of a but, bad vibe there. But yeah, like you called me crazy for it a thousand times, saying I thought Will Wade should keep his job. Did I think he was? No, oh, nobody. I still did. think you're crazy that he should keep his job. He's it, nobody expected this. People were already talking about who was going to take over LSU after he got fired. Right. And that changed the whole complexion of these two recruitments right there. Memphis would have taken Precious over Trendon if they if, if it had come to that. So that's but not it would what never have come a, to that. It would but, never have come to that. I don't think. Anyway, do you now believe Precious is coming to Memphis? I think there's a strong possibility, yes, sir. Okay, but it's. It, I think he's going to take another visit, possibly. I think Georgia has been thrown out there a lot, and Tom Crean's recruiting really well. So I don't want to call it just yet because I never bet against Tom Crean. Right. Um, but as of right now, I think if you're making a decision today, it would be Memphis, which obviously would be huge. Um, but, yeah, it, it's changed a lot. I'm interested to see, too, how things end up with Lester Canones now that Will Wade's back, in, back at LSU because that's another kid that was an LSU lean before all of this stuff happened. And – I know May him 10th? and Precious. Did he say May tenth? What's uh, yeah, May tenth. Yeah. yeah, May tenth. Him so and Precious have a connection, but so do him and Trendon. So it's going to be really, really, really interesting because I think it's going to be one of the two for him. Right, and then we got RJ Hampton. RJ possibly reclassify. Yeah, everybody. Most people believe he will reclassify. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be Duke, Duke or Memphis, Kentucky. I've seen out here today in the last few days they're trying to get other guards to reclassify, and I don't think you can get. A few of these guys are going after desperation up there. They've been reduced. Yeah, to they're, they're <laughs> deep, deep doo doo up so there. So upset. I'm what? Well, I'm interested in your opinion on this because we haven't talked about it. The SEC ACC or SEC AAC challenge. Obviously, I don't think you're going to be able to get Kentucky Memphis this year. But do you think that's something that can get down the line? I think John John threw out Georgia and Georgia's a team I had heard um, from the get go. But what do you think? Do you think they could play Kentucky in this one day? I don't think so. But. I think that I think no matter what John says, he does not ever want to play Memphis. Ever. Um, certainly, yes, ever. And so I have always thought that Penny's discussion of playing Kentucky was optimistic and whatever form that takes, whether it's in the context of the um, – even, you know, Cal, of course, has thrown out the let's play a neutral in Nashville is what Penny says that Cal yeah. has thrown out. But I don't even think John would do that. Like, in the end, it's like it's like political candidates. If you are the front runner, what do you not do? You don't say your opponent's name, right? That's yeah. considered. And so 
and John considers himself, while he has retracted his statements of being Memphis being at the kids' table, he still believes in his heart that Memphis is at the kids' table. And so why would he... And yeah. they've also, by the way, gotten DJ from him and gotten James Wiseman from him and emerged as a recruiting force. And so why in the world would he think it was his best interest did to play he, Kentucky? Did he ever go back and play UMass? I don't think he has. I don't think he he's played UMass ever. But the, I guess those circumstances, the way he left UMass, were a little different than the way he left Memphis. Yes. Um, I mean, he left UMass in... Uh, well, similarly on probation, similar, they were yeah. both ended up on probation, but he left for the NBA, which is different than leaving for another. Well, yes, he left for for the NBA, which is different for leaving for another college job. Right. One you feel is a slap in the face. One you feel like, yeah. oh, he just wanted the NBA. He's How could he NBA. turn it yep. down? The Nets offered him a bazillion dollars. So um, I don't think that, that's why there was no bad feelings there yeah. um, when he left UMass. And it's why he was honored and they raised the banner and everything else. How different is covering Penny than covering Cal? Uh, very different. Because uh, I never got to cover in ways good and bad. Um, I I much prefer covering Penny so far because I like Penny. Um, and I didn't really like John in the end. I mean, people. I think people know that it's not a big secret. Um, I I didn't I didn't um I didn't appreciate John's flexible ethics. Um, yeah. and um, I didn't appreciate his vindictiveness. Um, and um, I did appreciate. But there were there were better things about it. there. Were, so first of all, John was much more open than yeah. Penny. John, you could be in any practice, even though he didn't like me. Um, <laughs> he, you could go selection Sunday. You go to his house. Like I would go to John. Did clearly did not like me. Would not say my name out loud. But on selection Sunday, I'd be invited to his house like everybody else to watch whatever. John, yeah, he, he didn't like me. I'd be there in practice um, with everybody else. Uh, he was an unbelievable quote. Better even a better quote than Penny. Yeah. There's two great quotes, but an even John is an even better quote than Penny. And the truth of the matter is John won at a high level, which I want for the University of Memphis program, which was the most fun about John. And we think Penny will win at a high level, but we yeah. don't know yet. And so in Everyone's those ways, in those ways, he was better. The only ways that were worse is that he would pick fights with the media and for example, me. Um, and then he would also do things that would sort of force you to criticize him, right? When he yeah. suspends and then unsuspends someone or whatever, I just would have to criticize that kind of flexible ethics. And so, um, and then he didn't take kindly to that. So it was a little, it was difficult because it's, it's, you know, when people, he would call, talk about the miserables, I was sort of the chief miserable. <laughs> like he would signal you out. And, um, and so in that way, it was harder. But listen, if, if it gets to a point where Penny flounders and it's time to criticize Penny, which ultimately people in my job have to do, yeah, have to. that won't be easy. Like no, that won't, it won't be fun. Be easy at all. Um, so, so I just hope it's an upward trajectory until I retire. <laughs> so or going to coaching full time. I ain't no oh, we probably shouldn't do that. What do you uh uh kid from Little Rock? Ray John Tucker, graduate tra graduate transfer. Yep. Right now I talked to him yesterday. We have a he story. He lit up Memphis last year. Yep. Um I have a story on dailymemphian.com about him. Yep. Um, talk to him. Yeah, talk to him for a little bit. It definitely sounds like. What was the impression you got? That's what I really want to know. I read the story, but what's it, the impression me, you got? My impression was that right now, I think if he made a decision on whether he's going to the NBA or he's going he to college, wants to go to the NBA. I think he's coming back. Really? Yeah. I. It sounds like to me not a kid that's entirely sold on. He was saying when I come back, when, or if I, you know, he's having to change wins to if. I think. I think he's coming back. I don't know where he's going to go. I think he really wants to be awed. I heard his Auburn visit went really well. That's where he was last weekend. He's been to West Virginia. 
he's taken all five visits. He's really smart about it. He wants his free five visits. I'd be interested to see if North Carolina gets one of those and who the other one is, because I think he's taken three so far. But if he goes and kills it at the Combine and he starts shooting up mock drafts, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to say no. But right now, I think he'll come back. Here's the question. how Both from a positional standpoint, like you've got Kenonis, you've got him, you've got uh, RJ Hampton, you've got... So both in terms of just crowded, like playing time thing, but then also in terms of scholarship thing, there's so many moving pieces. How do you, how do they, how do they navigate this? I guess is the real question. Well, how many do they have right now? They have three. So I just mean the order of navigating it. Like what do they, what's, how do they parse through it? There has to be a process of saying, okay. I mean, I think they're. I mean, if you're going to get R.J. Hampton, it won't be till late summer. It's not so going to be how- late summer. What I would guess they're probably going to do, they're either going to take two people, probably Precious and maybe Lester, maybe a graduate transfer, and keep that one open, or try to take three people and just take Jaden Hardway off scholarship, which will open up another scholarship to have free going into either next season or into the, or into the summer and into next season. That's what I would do. But that's a decision you have to make before – RJ Hampton would. They probably would have had to already make it. What day is it? Uh, no, I think they've got a, a week or two until Before scholarship to, renewals renews. are up. Yeah. So, I mean, you need that scholarship open. If RJ Hampton doesn't reclassify or if he chooses Duke or Kentucky, you still have that scholarship open going the next season, which is going to help you when you may not have a ton. Because if you get, say, you get Precious and James, that's two scholarships. And you're not going to have a lot of seniors except for one. So you're probably going to have three, ma- two, maybe three. Tyler Harris is thinking these days, by the way. I don't know. It's an interesting question. I heard he was all in, all in, all in. And then it turns around, it looks like they have a chance to go get a guy who, in all honesty, is better than him, who's going to be, a, could be a top five pick in the NBA draft if he comes out, who's going to be incredible. He's going to take, he's going to dominate the ball. He's going to play a lot of minutes. He's going to be the best, who would be the best point guard since Derrick Rose. And where does that leave him? Where does that leave Alo? And it's an awkward position because I think on some level nobody really expected Penny to be able to do this right, right away, and that Alex and Alo were going to help lead them into a situation like this. And it's an awkward spot for him for sure. I had Evan Daniels on the other day on my radio show, and he said DJ is going to be here four years. He said. You may not be here four years. In other words, at some point, you can just decide, I'm sick of college. I'm going to yeah. go, right? Go play in the G League. That's what happened with Tony Pollard. What? Tony Pollard, that's what happened with him. He had another year of eligibility. He was just sick right. of college. He's just sick of college, ready to go. Um, now, that's a little different because he will, I predict Tony Pollard will be in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whereas there are lots of kids who go play pro who don't make it to the NBA. And so, like, DJ could be after two years say, yeah, I'm just going to go. It doesn't matter. Like, I'll go play in Europe. I'm just going to go. I'm going to so play in the G League or whatever. Um, how do you see his career playing out? DJ? Yeah. It depends. It depends because right now, I think they're going to be playing him as a wing. I think he's probably more of a stretch four, probably a three or a four. I'm interested to see if he comes out and how in shape he is right right when the season starts, Um, how much his three-point shot's developed. If he comes out and is shooting threes and he's defending and he shows he can be a 3-and-D guy, that's what people in the NBA value, people with his body. He's long. He's strong and he's fast i mean he's fast for his size so he should be able to he's got to come in show three point and diversity in guarding he has to be able to guard fours he's going to guard threes he has to be able to guard twos if he does that he's a two-year guy 
if he doesn't, if he struggles to shoot from three, if he really can't catch up on defense, if he gets lost in the half court and it takes some time to build to those things, I could see him being a three- or four-year guy. I think DJ's going to be great. Nobody really talks about him a lot. I think he's somewhat overlooked because of the top of this class because it's you got James and you're looking at Trenton and you got Damian Ball and it's all oh, it's excitement. And DJ's this quiet guy who kind of got lost in the shuffle. But there's a reason Kentucky took him. John Calipari wanted him. He was at all of his peach right. games last year, drooling over him. I heard about how much he loved him, how much he wanted to bring him in. He thought he could be great. And so he's he, got a, he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder kind of play. Absolutely has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. It's even getting bigger because he's like I was talking to him the other day off uh off camera after his thing after he was done at the Jack Jones shootout and he was just like every time I say anything Kentucky fans tweet at me. <laughs> like every time I do anything Kentucky fans tweet at me. He's like I'm probably y'all probably going to put that interview out and if I said something about Kentucky or if I said something about decommitting from Kentucky I'm going to get tweets about it. He's like doesn't bother me. I'm just going to show him. Like he's just like I'm just going to show him what they're missing. Right. He he's a fantastic kid right. who just he got lost in the shuffle. Like normally with some classes he could be the star of the class. I mean, well, he, he certainly wouldn't under Tubby. He would well, be the star of the class. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I think he's going to be probably a two or three year guy. Right. In all honesty, because I I think he's going to come in. They're going to run an interesting system. They've got a lot of wings next year. So, but he. I want to see him play it again with Precious Achua. That's mainly when he's not going to be the guy on the wing because right. Precious will be. But I think we're all good for today. Um, you can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff underscore Calkins and me at underscore Jonah Jordan. Go follow the Daily Memphian at Daily Memphian. Go subscribe. You can find the Daily Memphian podcast, which are powered by the OAM Network, anywhere you can find your podcast, whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.